Hello, I'm Kevin Richard. Well, the May 17th primary elections are rapidly approaching, and this week we continue with our candidate interviews. Our interview this week is with Governor Brad Little. I talked to him on Tuesday about his uh, three and a half years in office with an emphasis on education issues, teacher salaries, all-day kindergarten, uh, the state's go-on rate, and other education topics. And I also wanted to ask the governor about his decision to not participate, to refuse to participate in debates leading up to the primary. Here's our interview. Well, Governor, thank you for taking the time to be with us this week. I uh, wanted to ask you a lot of questions about the election. And, and starting with priorities here, if you are reelected, what would be job one for you? Well, what, what we've done in the past would be a pretty good indicator. Uh, continued investments in education, uh, continued looks at our infrastructure, uh, keeping taxes low, and preparing Idaho for any uncertainty that might, that might happen on the national level or uh, the global level that we just want to be in the best possible shape. And you know my old line, I want to continue to make uh, Idaho a place where our, our kids choose to stay. So give the education system four years in, give it a report card. What, what is working right now in the education space and what needs more work? Well, you know, as you well know, it takes a little while from the time uh, the money is appropriate, recommended, then appropriated, then distributed uh, before, uh, you know, we'll see uh, the outcome. But as I go to classrooms, the, you know, what we've done in literacy, the, uh, the investments we made in the last few years, uh, you know, over CUNA is a good example. They've been, they've been doing all day kindergarten for uh, three years and they know how that moves the needle. Well, you know, you've got to get these kids prepared and then you're going to see, uh, then you're going to see the results. Obviously, uh, COVID impacted uh, the speed at which a lot of our education initiatives are being developed, but both the Wall Street Journal and Politico say that our learning loss in Idaho was one of the least in the nation, which uh, I, I get, I'm, I'm happy for that ranking, but I know when I talk to teachers that there was learning loss, and we want to give them all the resources they need to help make up for that learning loss. What will be a big indicator will be our recruitment and retention of teachers. Uh, what I did on starting teacher pay, now that we've fully implemented the career ladder, what we're doing on, on health insurance benefits. And I think also importantly is just the uh, aura uh, that we appreciate teachers, that the classroom teachers is really appreciated in Idaho. I know there's always a little background noise on that, uh, but when I talk to teachers, uh, they, you know, they tell me that I make them feel good, and that makes me feel good that I make them feel good. So. You've basically touched on three areas that I wanted to go to next, so let's take them in order. Uh, literacy, uh, when you look at those fall reading scores, when 51% of K through three students are reading at grade level, that's got to be a concern to you at some level. I know the pandemic is a, a factor here, but that's got to be a concern, right? Well, it is. And some of the reading coaches and, you know, a lot of these school districts have done a really good job of, 
getting their reading teachers together, uh, sitting down and analyzing, uh, even down to the individual student, we know that there's uh, a, re a loss in the summer, whether it's summer reading programs, uh, whatever else it is. And, and that's why I was, I was uh, gratified that the legislature generally took my recommendation on literacy money uh, without adding a lot of strings and restrictions on it. Uh, the, the teachers, the trustees, the superintendents, and I hope the people of Idaho know that our goal is to have these kids reading proficiently by the end of the third grade. And what that looks like in Dietrich is different than it looks in Downey and, and Kellogg. And because of the demographics, the, a lot of different things. But we just expect the district to do all they can to get every kid reading proficiently at the third grade. Now that's an aspirational goal, but we got a long way to go uh, uh, to get there. But when I talked to teachers and I talked to some yesterday afternoon, uh, they all think that's a very doable deal. Are you worried that some districts are really trying to figure out what to do next with this money in terms of trying to provide full day kindergarten, provide a half day option for parents that want it? It, it seems like there's a lot of uh, turbulence right now, at least in like West Ada and Boise, trying to figure out what to do with this. Well, uh, Boise, uh, you know, they're they're pretty well funded. Uh, they, I'm not trying to throw the Boise school district under the bus, but uh, compared to some of these other districts, uh, they they ought to be able to get there. But the, one thing that uh, is is a reasonable concern is the fact that we didn't put uh, kindergarten in uh, in the funding formula. They say, well, there's a little uncertainty. And I've told everybody, as long as I'm governor, that funding's going to be there, come hell or high water. I am. Uh, I, I want them to know with great certainty. If they know the money's going to be there, then I believe there'll be you know, optional all-day kindergarten all over the state. It might take a little while. They might have to build some new classrooms. They might have to get some more uh, teachers, uh, but they'll get there. But I want them to know that as long as I'm governor, uh, there'll be a lot of other things that uh, get adjusted, but it won't be the money for kindergarten and, and literacy because... It's, and, but then they're part of the deal. They have to they have to produce. Uh, we have to get those reading scores up. Uh, and so I'm excited that our new dashboard is going to be available to where uh, you at Idaho Ed News, uh, the, the Chamber of Commerce, and the local community, everybody able everybody will be able to see uh, how we're advancing in our progress in literacy. At your behest, the governor put uh, the legislature, I should say, put a lot of money into the career ladder between state funding and the federal uh, stimulus money. Is all of that funding for teacher salaries sustainable? I, I oh yes. I mean, uh, uh, we again. Uh, that's a good reason that I'm running again. And you know, we when we submitted our budget. And actually, things have got better since then. We budgeted as a $200 million surplus for the next four years, a five-year uh, uh, budget. 
and that we have no reason to think that isn't going to be the case uh, so uh, sustainable as long as I'm governor. The insurance plan that you mentioned before and the, the, the idea of trying to put a lot of money into allowing districts options for, for different ways to improve benefits, there seems to be a lot of uh, turbulence here as well as districts are trying to figure out what exactly to do with that and where exactly to, uh, to go in terms of insurance coverage. Are you comfortable with the way it's we're rolling out so far? Actually, uh, uh, yes, I am. I, I, I hear all of that background noise, uh, whether it be from uh, school district superintendents, representative furnace, but uh, you know what, again, what I hear from teachers is uh, their spouse may have a good insurance plan. And until their district says, here's what's gonna be available, and the teacher and their spouse sit around the kitchen table and say, we're going to stay on X insurance or we're going to go to the district insurance. We're not going to know the totality of it. Uh, but you, you can't argue that $105 million in new money is not going to help significantly with uh, making quality, uh, comprehensive health insurance available to people in our K-12 system. Now, will we have to uh, fine tune it? I'm certain we will. Uh, but we're going to know a lot more, but it's going to be an individual decision by every single uh, person that's offered coverage. And what's the end game goal in all of this? I mean, obviously, it's a goal of recruitment and retention. But, but what is a realistic uh, benchmark for t for staff recruitment and retention, teacher recruitment and retention? Well, my my education colleges, both the public ones and the private ones, uh, you know, what I would love to see is a spike in, in high school students that say they want to go into education. They want to be teachers. Uh, that will be a, that will be a very significant barometer of what's ahead. Uh, Idaho teachers that have left, uh, that come back because, and, and we always get a little bit, bit of that because our Percy benefits are often better than they are in other states. But I would look to see an acceleration of that, but, Tied to that, those educators need to know that they're appreciated and, you know, that uh, people are always going to be uh, critical of public education. But I would prefer that we significantly temper that and, and appreciated these teachers because uh, you hit on both of them. It's recruitment and retain, retaining and recruiting good educators. That's the end game. You've also talked a lot over the past four years about college and career readiness, and I wanted to ask you about the go-on rates. Uh, they've dropped fairly significantly these past two years of the pandemic, but they were dropping even before the pandemic. What does that say in terms of what Idaho is doing in terms of college readiness? Well, I think you were in the room uh, when... I, as Lieutenant Governor, uh, advocated uh, that the legislature adopt a resolution about the go-on rate. And I said it was a aspirational goal, uh, but that really what we want are, are people to be able to uh, retire comfortably. 
Um, obviously, we want to continue to get uh, the, the kids that want to, to go on to college, uh, but that's why we're making significant investments in career technical. And career technical is everything from ongoing uh, CTE at our, our career technical facilities and community colleges to a lot of work that we're doing in the districts, whether it be K-Tech or P-Tech or, or uh, CASA or Minicasha or a lot of the bigger districts have their own programs. You know, those, those kids, particularly in this job market, uh, can learn skills in high school, get out and start making a really good living and then continue to upgrade their skills, whether it's running a modern food processing facility, a, a modern sawmill, uh, fill in the blank, and and end up comfortably retiring and having dynamic skills to go on. Uh, that is different than just getting a bachelor's degree. But I know a lot of bachelor's degrees that aren't gonna reti- retire near as comfortably as some of those students in those programs I just talked about. And not to diminish, diminish any of that, because I, I understand that from the beginning, the post-secondary completion goal was post-secondary. It wasn't just college degrees. It was uh, professional certificates as well. Is there something going on, though, in terms of how Idahoans and how young Idaho adults are perceiving college? Uh, we need to continue to work on on higher education. Uh, I I have conversations with uh, our state board members all the time about continuing to modernize, to make make the value proposition of higher education as as sustainable and as good as possible uh, going forward. That that value proposition, and that's why we're trying to make make sure there's transferable credits. That's why we're trying to make sure that if you uh, start at CSI, you can go on to ISU or Idaho or Boise State. And those, that's all. That's all part of that that plan that we have going forward. But right now, you know, I'm I'm only a block or so away from the computer science college at Boise State. And the last time I toured that, Kevin, the names on the rooms of these software companies in Boise. They were given money for the computer science program. Were also the first ones there stealing those kids before they graduate. Do you have any lasting misgivings about signing House Bill three seventy seven last year? Because it feels like some of the debate that led up to three seventy seven plays into a lot of what we've been talking about in terms of the way teachers feel like they're being perceived, the way their work is perceived, the way maybe some some Idahoans view higher education. Did that fuel into some of those perception issues that you're dealing with right now? There's merit to, to what you say, uh, but, you know, it's interesting, the people that were, I listened to part of that debate, I didn't listen to all of it, uh, but even the people that were that were presenting uh, the legislation uh, stated that, you know, they couldn't find it now. uh, And that's what I continue to hear. Uh, But, uh, you know, we do that a lot in Idaho. And that's what I call a blocking maneuver for something from another state. Uh, There are groups 
and and I understand, I'm sympathetic to it, that will show an example of something that happened in Portland or Philadelphia or fill in the blank and say, we've got to make sure that doesn't happen in Idaho. And I, I that was part of it. It's law. Uh, you know, when, when you read it, uh, uh, the bill was it was different than quite a bit of the narrative of it. But I do uh, agree that some of the debate, some of the debate about it was uh, seemed to. Uh, and I, I, in my signing statement, I made that uh, made a significant mention of the fact that uh, we should be encouraging our teachers and thanking our teachers, particularly, you know, a year ago when it was uh, they were all happened to recover from COVID and the challenges there, rather than being. Mm-hmm you know, critical, but I, I saw that as a blocking maneuver. Uh, and frankly, we can, uh, you know, no, nothing's happened. Uh, there've been some, uh, groups that say, Oh, it's out there. But, uh, when you get to the end of the row, there's, there's nothing there, but that doesn't mean, uh, it's the policy is, is totally bad. It was a narrative that I had a disagreement with. So perhaps one of the most divisive issues in education right now is is school choice and where we go from here in terms of school choice, uh, constitutional questions, but I think it's also just a value question about how are we investing in school choice? How do we work school choice into the equation alongside traditional education? What role would you take in that issue if you're reelected? I, I don't think there's a charter bill, whether I was in the Senate, whether, of course, Lieutenant Governor, uh, I don't vote that often, and as governor that I haven't supported. Uh, there's some of them that we modified uh, uh, to a certain extent. And in fact, I, you know, when I get with my fellow governors and we talk about education policy, I, I explain to them that charter schools in Idaho look different than they do, particularly in, in a state with a lot of urban areas. Uh, charter schools in those more populated states are really lifelines uh, to some of these poor kids in these toughest communities. Uh, I was in charter schools in Philadelphia and Memphis, uh, and it, they are vastly different than charter schools in Idaho. And in, in all fairness, uh, there has been a lot of innovations come out of the charter system. So uh, I, I, I look for that uh, to continue. Uh, our Charter Commission has done a pretty good job of uh, telling people who want to found a charter how much work it is. And, you know, we've closed down some charter schools. So it is not perfect, but I, I, I think the choice there is really good for Idaho and good for our school system. Well, charters are here to stay as an institution. In general, in the broad sense, charters are here to stay. And I know some have uh, not made it. But is there a place in your view of education for something like an education savings account uh, law? Well, if it's if it's either initially or more importantly, on a trajectory to be significantly uh, diminutive to funding of uh, public schools, and I probably got an issue with it because uh, you know we're still 
you you asked me an earlier question about continuing to support the career ladder, continuing to support literacy. Uh, that's my commitment is to continue to do that. And anything that turns over the apple cart totally uh, that would cause us to disrupt that progress, I'd, I'd have an issue with. You, you don't want to pit the one against the other, basically, in terms of competition no, for funding. No. And I, we have... You know, our charter schools, we can do both if we do them right. Uh, 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 we, we can do both if we don't make some radical swing. What did you learn most uh, about the education system these past two years? <laughs> the, every, every legislator runs on, uh, we micromanage schools too much, and then they show up in Boise, and uh, and then sometimes and and put restrictions on them. I I have met very few trustees, superintendents, and principals that don't want the best for the students in their district. And we need to send a signal that here's what we want. Uh, you know, we want we want you to lead uh, lead your lead your teachers lead your, and let your teachers lead your students. Uh, we want to move the needle on college and career ready and literacy and uh, allow you to have the flexibility. And very well met legislation occasionally stifles that. I have to wrap up and ask about the campaign itself and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about debates. Um, you've turned down debate invitations this election cycle, refused a couple from public TV and KTVB in Boise. How do you explain that, uh, justify that, considering that in past election cycles, you've been willing to participate in debates and primaries in general, elections alike? That's correct, but in past election cycles, I didn't have the record I do now. I haven't. I don't have the history of uh, of uh, capital for a day, of, of hundreds of media interviews, town halls, and public meetings, and and Q and A opportunities, and uh, that trumps uh, uh, you know a, a short debate. Uh, my record that I'm uh, I'm proud of. And, and that's what I want to talk about is my record and emphasize to the public uh, the incredible success we've had uh, that I hear about when I travel around the state. And, uh, but in those past instances, I didn't have that record. But are you suggesting by saying that, that as an incumbent, that an incumbent office holder okay. has a, that are you suggesting then that a, an incumbent office holder has a lower standard of, uh, a lower standard in terms of participating in debates than somebody who's running well, for I, than somebody running well, for it, new it, office. If the incumbent's got a really good record, they if, if they want to run on a narrow issue, but uh, you know the totality of my record on my three big initiatives, education, transportation, uh, record tax relief uh, is, is something that I'm very proud of. And you know you can get off into the weeds on on some little issue, but 
people that I talk to, the people that I know, uh, that's what they're interested in. My actions, uh, that, that my actions speak louder than, than a, a short snippet somewhere. And, and I, you know, we've done a pretty good job getting out. I think most people in Idaho uh, know what my record is. What do you Once do? Once in a while, I'll run into somebody, somebody that says, who the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> and quickly, then what, what's your game plan between now and May 17th? Uh, well, we'll, we'll continue. I, I've got my day job, which is uh, running the state of Idaho. And, and we frankly got a lot going on about implementing all the major initiatives which we have. And then I'll continue. I think I'm going to Magic. Well, I'm going to uh, uh, over to the uh, Weezer Fruitland area tomorrow. And then I'm going to the Magic Valley. And then I'm going to North Idaho. Uh, but, th- but that's this time of year, that is not out of the norm at all. Uh, for me to get out and uh, you know be invited to a group or go somewhere and 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 be there to uh, to listen and and we're we're kind of doing a ceremonial signing of uh, Senator Lee's uh, uh, bill uh, on you know these this system that where we fell through the cracks where we didn't have a way to identify a missing child mm-hmm. we're going to do that tomorrow but. We, you know, after the session, uh, for the next month or so, uh, we continue to highlight to communities uh, what good work we uh, we did, and and of course the legislators are always interested in that also. Well, Governor, as always, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you taking uh, some time during the the campaign to talk to us. All right, thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Again, that was Governor Brad Little. We've been conducting candidate interviews since February as we lead into the primaries on May 17th. So if you go through our podcast archives, you'll find several of these interviews. I spoke to Eagle Republican gubernatorial candidate Ed Humphreys a few weeks ago. You can find that podcast uh, on our archives. We've made several overtures to Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeehan's campaign about her appearing on a podcast we've never heard back. If something changes between now and May 17th, we'll definitely have her on. Otherwise, you can check out all of those interviews in our podcast archives. Now, we have had some political debates this week, two very important debates, ones that we've been waiting for in the Republican primary for state superintendent. Uh, Monday night, uh, the candidates appeared on Idaho Public Television. Tuesday night, they appeared on KTVB. Blake Jones has full coverage from the Monday night debate. I I was one of the panelists uh, asking questions of the three candidates. So we have full coverage there. You can check out the video uh, of both of the debates. We've got uh, got links to the videos of both of the debates in our stories. So check those out at idahoednews.org. And we have more on our homepage. I have the latest on the search for trustees at North Idaho College. 37 candidates put their names in for the three vacancies at North Idaho College, and there are some familiar names on the list. I explained that. We also take a look at what's happening with college applications and admissions and what that might mean for college enrollment in the fall. The early numbers look encouraging. That'll wrap it up for the podcast this week. Keep following us at idahoednews.org for all the latest news on education policy and education politics. Follow us on Twitter at idahoednews. We tweet out links to our latest stories and bulletins on breaking news. Follow us on Facebook and comment on our stories there. And check back next Friday for another edition of the podcast. I'm Kevin Richard. Have a good week.